This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here with my co-host Leslie Bennett at our complex, third floor, Family Church, downtown West Palm Beach. Glad you're joining us. And in the studio today, as always, our engineer, Carly Silman, also Pastor Aaron Philippone, who is the lead pastor of Family Church in the Gardens and also oversees all of our campus pastors and directors. And Aaron, why don't you introduce our other guest? Yeah, so this is my good friend, Mike Richardson. Mike, how long have we been friends now? I think it's been about eight years. All right. Mike serves as the senior pastor at the First Baptist Church at Tequesta and just a phenomenal leader, outstanding pastor and a dear brother, somebody that I'm just so grateful that I get to serve in this community with. Yeah, and I am too, because I think, you know, Aaron, you really made uh, close friends with Mike several years ago. And then, you know, through you, that's pulled Mike kind of into, into our friend circle at Family Church. Leslie, it's really been fun watching Mike's leadership develop because when Mike went to that church, he took over for a tenured leader. And then he had to engage in revitalization, which is something that we're passionate about. Yeah. So we're excited to have Mike with us today. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, sure, Mike? Sure. Well, it's an honor to be here. And for all the rest of us crew out there, these guys are the real deal. It's meant so much for me to know you guys. And you guys have been in my corner, kept me locked into ministry, kept me locked into my family. Natalie and I grew up both in Northern Palm Beach County. We met in third grade, actually. Holy kind of smokes! A lot of life, <laughs> a lot of life lived together. Like my grandfather worked with her dad, and then I worked up the courage in the eleventh grade to ask her out. It's like an arranged so, marriage. Yeah, just, no, it is in a lot of ways. So we have three kids. Eliza is going to be eleven. Henry is six, and Sam is three. So a lot of fun. Oh, I have a Sam too. That's yep. exciting. So the reason we wanted to have Mike with us, we're taking a break. From our COVID conversation. Thank the bit. Lord. Why would we take yes. a break from it? <laughs> Let's keep going. More COVID. They will be back, I'm sure. But anyway, Mike is, as you said, passionate about revitalization. So we wanted to invite Mike to talk about some of the things that he's been thinking about and talking about. And so one of the things, Mike, that you talked about is what are the marks of a self centered church? Sure. So we don't want to be self centered, we want to be other centered. So help our listeners know am I a self centered church? Yes. Well, you know, when you start reading a lot of academic literature and missiology, the missiologists show us that Western culture has produced just obviously such a consumeristic Mm. culture. Really, it's the religion of our day. And so we love what we love. We like what we like. And that carries over into church. Church is for us. It's for my needs. It's for me to grow. It's supposed to be for my vibe, what, what I need to help me live my life or just fulfill my needs. And so that plays out in a lot of different ways throughout the church. Yeah, but what do we do about that? I mean, because it's not totally wrong. Sure. I mean, we do believe that Jesus is the good life and Jesus makes things better. Sure. So what's so cool is when you start reading a lot of literature and you start talking to pastors that have led revitalization, one of the key turns that they had to make was just getting people's eyes and minds and focus off of themselves on other people. Because that's what God's all about. God's ascending God. He's been on mission since the beginning to make people know who he is, to get people to worship him. And if we can join him, there's this supernatural math 
that's out there that we start to grow, our church starts to grow, and it's actually a lot less complicated than many times we make it. You have kind of experienced that. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what your church was like, kind of the history of First Baptist Tequesta, what it was like when you went on staff there, and then when sure. you became the senior pastor. Tell me about that process. So we're kind of a stereotypically stereotypical established church. There is actually a, just a lady in the 50s. There was Jupiter Tequesta in Northern Palm Beach County. It was much different back then, almost no one living there. And she just said, hey, we need a neighborhood church in this area. So she got a group together, started church. The church was planted right in the middle of a neighborhood, literally there's houses all around our church. And so God used our church to reach our neighborhood. But like a lot of established churches, we had kind of grown older demographically. We had become a lot about activity. We were doing lots of stuff, going to lots of Bible studies. Like I would literally talk to somebody and they were in like four small groups, Amen. which obviously we only have a certain amount of hours in a day. So it was taking away from just their family life. They're driving out of their neighborhood to go to church all the time. And it really was a barrier for them to have gospel conversations and to be part of the mission of God that he started in Tequesta and when our church was founded in 1958. All right. So as you've done that, Founded in 1958, maybe the church started to grow a little bit inward, folks. Even though it was inward on good stuff, sure. like studying the Bible, what did you do to make it different? So from what I've learned and just from what I've lived out, as you get people's focus off themselves, God really does the rest. And what was key for me, I was 31 years old when I became the interim pastor. My last senior pastor, Pastor Paul Bearsford, awesome guy, he was... 75 when he retired. So just drastic difference. And I had to be really careful not to be the stereotypical young punk and not to lead with my own preferences, even if I thought my preferences and my design for church were right. So one of the key things I learned was I need to lead with authority, but with the authority of Jesus and just tying everything back to scripture, everything back to the New Testament, trying to see people, help people to see that there is an amazing Christian life out there that's outwardly focused, that's going to grow you. And as we push out and you actually deny yourself, God grows you and he's going to start to grow our church. Aaron, you've kind of been a big brother, been a kind of a mentor to Mike and some of these things. And as he's walked through different things over almost the last decade, what are some things that you've seen Mike do where you went, hey, that was really good. That really made a difference. Yeah. So one of the things I love about Mike is that he's a native. And so he loves his city. He loves his church. You know, his wife grew up in that church. I love hearing him talk about the you know the city of Tequesta there and certain roads and parks and bridges and areas where he drives around praying for his city. I, I love that about him. The other thing I love is Mike is extremely humble. So he came in as a young pastor leading the charge for you know a pastor who had been there for a long time. So he comes in and wins over the hearts of his people by being so humble and such a good and godly leader. But at the same time, he's not afraid to make some changes. He sees this church and this leadership opportunity that God's given to him, and he knows that there's a stewardship involved here, and he has to make some changes. So, Mike, I'd love for you to just share, like, you know, for any of our listeners that are sitting out there thinking, you know, I'm in this position, I want to see revitalization, what would be some action steps or some things that churches can actually start to do to see revitalization happen in their churches? Sure. What I learned is that God has people in your church right now, no matter what state your church is in, no matter how just tough the situation is. And revitalization is tough. Mark Clifton says, if you want to revitalize your church, 
Get ready for depression. <laughs> like literally, it's like, wow. Thanks. It's just an encourager. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> but the awesome thing about God, we have a God that goes before us and he's gone before us. And there's people in your church whose hearts are warm for what God wants to do in your church and the vision that God's put in your heart as a leader. So really, they're the tender as, you know, I used to like love watching Bear grills and you always go out in the wild. Like, I got my tender here and... You got to find those people, maybe get in a small group with them, really share your heart with them. And they're going to be some of your biggest advocates from some of the big change that you know you have to make. But maybe as a new leader, a younger leader, you don't have the chips yet or the credibility to make those. They're going to be the advocates to go to bat for you, for those key people mm-hmm. to turn their hearts toward what God's calling you to do as a pastor. Yeah. And I've even seen that here. Pastor Jimmy, when you came as the pastor of the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach, there was a, a nucleus of people. Many of them served in children's ministry who at a very contentious time just continued to pray and continued to serve and continued to beg God for his vision for this church family. And those are the people that God used in many ways to help us begin this network of neighborhood churches that we get to be a part of today. Yeah. And some of those people were George and Leslie Bennett. Mm -hmm. So Leslie, I wonder if you might even comment on that, because one of the things that we had to do as we are all trying to revitalize this church is we had to do exactly what Mike's saying, which is, you know, God has still given us people. I didn't, you know, Mike didn't go to first question question. Hey, there's no people here. There were people. And even though some things need to be changed, the same thing happened at First Baptist West Palm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we did have a core of people that were ready to embrace the new thing that God was doing. So I'm sure that's what you experienced sure. as well, Mike. You have those people and you identify those people and then you build relationships with them. And then you, you're building that capital and finding the influencers too is super important. I'm sure that Pastor Jimmy was very intentional about that, finding those that it can influence others. I'm also curious, like, did you, we talk about preaching to lead around here. So is that a big part of what you did there? Yeah. As you try to use that authority that comes from Jesus, the New Testament, preaching is obviously one of the key avenues and and just kind of vehicles that you use to do that. So, you know, using illustrations, using stories that kind of tie into that missional vision that you're going after raising membership expectations. When you go, hey, back to the New Testament, hey, this is actually what a real Christian looks like lived out in our church. And something that you guys have taught me, just beating the drum, mission, 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 mission. And churches have done this in a lot of creative ways through either slogans or through even architecture that they put up in their church, through having mission conferences that aren't about missionaries coming in and reporting, but are more about recruiting and getting their people out on mission. So using the authority of scripture, but in a lot of creative ways to get that out and to get it into people's hearts to move them forward. You know, uh, Paul Beresford was such a wonderful guy, just good man, good pastor. And he was, you know, more than twice as old. I mean, he's older than your parents. So I think one of the things I saw you do was really honor him. And I think you continue to honor him because there are people in the church now, even Eight years later, yeah, he's, you're like, he's still Pastor Paul. Yeah, he's still Pastor Paul to them, right? So, like, talk about that about the importance of while you're making changes and revitalizing the church, you're still trying to honor the leaders who served faithfully before you. Because it's not like, hey, you know, this church has been here since the '50s, and you know, God didn't like start working when you showed up mm-hmm. any more than God started yeah. working at First Baptist when Jimmy Scroggins showed up. God's been working here for a long time. Talk about how you honor the past. Well. You've been a great teacher for me and ended talking about our church's story. And gratefully, as I look back through our church history, it was founded to be a neighborhood church to reach this neighborhood, which is 
really the DNA of who we are, just going back to the basics. Now we're doing that in a different way. And keeping a close relationship with Pastor Paul was key. You know, going out to lunch with him, having that relationship in public that people never had to wonder, hey, are, is there something in between there? Is is he approve of this? Just always complimenting each other in front of everyone else. And he's been a key advocate for me when there was, you know, people that want to go sideways that, hey, you know what? Why don't you give Mike the benefit of the doubt? Why don't you go talk to him and actually ask him what he thinks about that? So he's always been in my corner. He actually got me my first job. I served at his previous church in Northeast Ohio for four years. So he's just been a key man of God to help me and give me opportunities to step into the person that God's want me to be. Yeah, it's fascinating because I had breakfast with him probably 10 years ago. And I was so impressed with him because he he was talking about his plan to turn over his church to you. And he kind of already had you in mind. And he was talking about it. And I was listening to this guy and I was like, this is amazing. This is what every church should have. A pastor with tenure, with confidence, with the confidence of the people in the church who's making plans not just to leave, but making plans to leave his church with someone in place. I don't know. I was really moved by that and really, really impressed by that. Hey, I wonder though, Mike, if you would share this because revitalization is not easy. I'm sure you've made some mistakes. I wonder if you might share some of the pitfalls that you've experienced or mistakes that you've made as you've tried to move things into kind of a new generation. Sure. So one of the pitfalls, like I mentioned before, is just, you know, everybody hates change. You know, some people say that they like change or I'm a change change, but really like you want things the way that you expect them. And when they're not, like you get upset about it. So some of my mistakes were just... So leading. go ahead and puncture everyone's change balloon right there. Yeah. So making change based on what I thought and actually casting vision. Well, I think this, you know, I literally had... Now, I think she was joking. I hope she was joking. I literally had a lady put her hand around my neck one time in the church hallway. Now, we're friends. I think she was joking. But another key thing for me and a lot of leaders is they want to lead quickly. You know, they feel like... And they have a burning vision in their heart that God, Jesus has put there for his church. But taking the time to let that play out and something that you've taught me too, and just there always are stumps and minefields and knowing which ones to go around, which ones to blow up, which ones aren't that big of a deal. I've walked through issues with some demographics of our church because I kind of made a big deal about something that really didn't matter. I should just let it go because they're really on our side and I need them with us. Yeah. Well, I think all of that takes wisdom and experience to kind of learn to discern. And no matter how much wisdom and experience you have, sometimes you thought it was a stump you could plow around in. It was really a mine that just blew you up. (laughs) (laughs) And so so the thing of it is you never get over that. I'm still amazed after doing this for a long time. Like sometimes I'll mess up and I'll be like, what in the heck? (laughs) (laughs) So I faster to Silva, didn't I? So I do think that that can be really challenging. But Mike, as you're working through all of that, what were some of the great encouragements that God put in your life to help you keep going? Well, I think God brings people to you. I know Aaron and, and some of you guys have been that. And then early on, I was the student pastor. Some of my key student volunteers, they really became just sounding boards for me. I could tell them anything about anything in the church, any person, any issue, and they kept that confidential. And they were always in my corner. They didn't fully understand, I think, what my vision was or where I wanted to go. But they really allowed me to be myself and to pray with me and to join me. 
And if it wasn't for you guys and just those key men in my church that I was able to just go out with and be myself and be like, man, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really discouraged. I don't think I'd be, I would have just given up or, or moved on. So God really blessed me with that. And my wife, she's in it too, man. She's not on the stage kind of person, but she feels the burden that I think that God's really put on our family in a special way for this area and for mm-hmm. our church. Well, I think that's fantastic. And let's say, I wonder if you have a thought about how church like Mike's, as they revitalize and as they kind of begin to grow in numbers and influence, how does that impact other churches around them? Yeah, I mean, it has to be a huge encouragement to the churches around. And I was just, the thing we like to ask our guests on our podcast is if you could say one thing to a pastor of a small or medium-sized church like you who's in this journey, what is one thing that you would encourage them with today? I think what's encouraging is realizing that God picked you. I mean, you're there. God's picked you for this time in His church to be on His mission. And you can rest in that, even though it's difficult, even though there's lots of hard decisions and many of the decisions we're facing right now with COVID, like there is no right answer. But to rest in the calling and the responsibility and the joy that God has for you. He has a mission for that church. It's still viable. He has a mission. He's already working in the hearts of the people that drive by your church and that are in the neighborhood of your church. And he wants to lead you to help reach some of those people for his glory. One of the things you said, too, is just the willingness to not change too fast, to be intentional, but not to go too quickly. I think one of the reasons that leaders get tempted to change things too quickly is they're not actually planning on staying. Mm-hmm. And so they got to get their changes made now because they're not going to be here if they wait too long. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate about you is you've kind of said, look, this is my home. This is my spot. This is my church. If they'll have me, I'm going to be here. Well, that gives you the patience to know that like a farmer, yeah. I'm going to be working this field for a while. If I don't get it all done today, I'm going to be here tomorrow. If I don't get it all done this week, I'll be here next week. And if I don't get it done this year, I'll be here next year. That gives leaders the confidence to be discerning about the pace mm-hmm. of change. Aaron, you have stayed in one place for a long time here at Family Church. I wonder how that lands on you. Yeah. I mean, I think you're the one I've heard you say this, you know, don't overestimate what you can get done in a, what is it a week, but don't underestimate what you can get done in, you know, over years. And I think that's exactly the point here is that revitalization takes time, but we have to move forward. And so all of us, no matter what's happening in your context with the opportunities, the amenities, the assets and the liabilities that you have at your disposal, all of us have to think about how to move the organization forward and what God is calling us to do in this time. And I love what you put in your dissertation about, look, let's not make idols out of the past. People did what they could with the resources they had during their time, but this is our time and God has given us this opportunity. And so whatever that looks like in your context, you got to figure out how to move this thing forward for the glory of God and for the people for whom you want to reach in your region. Yeah. And I so appreciate Mike, you join us, Aaron, join us on the podcast today. It's been awesome. And for all of our listeners out there, we want to encourage you. So if you're sitting there thinking, I want my church to turn around and I want my church to change, and or maybe you're new and you don't know what to do next, we want to help you any way we can. If you'll reach out to us on social media, email us, call us, come check in with us, come visit us at Family Church. We're actually going to have Church for the Rest of Us conference coming up in 2021. You'll be getting more information about that soon. And you can come in person if you're willing. I don't know what the protocols will be at that time. We might be masks. We might be distance. We might, I don't know. We might have to stand 80 feet apart, be in a bubble suit. I don't know what it is, 
but we want you to come and be with us because we want to help you turn your church around. We want to help you take the resources you have at your church right now, and that's what Church for the Rest of Us is all about. So for Carly Seelman, our engineer, Leslie Bennett, for Mike Richardson and Aaron Philippone, this is Jimmy Scroggins signing off. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.